I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. to the Mad Max Minute, where it suddenly seems that harpoons and plows aren't all they're cracked up to be in Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 95, which begins with Max leaving Antoinette to finish unhooking the fifth wheel, and it ends with Max being thrown by an explosion to the deck of the tanker. Returning to help us talk about older women who do more than tell stories and throw jewelry <laughs> off of ships, it's Rob, Joe, and Duff from a free podcast. Hey, it's Rob. Hey, it's Joe. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> that last one is Duff. <laughs> you got three bolts right here. <laughs> We're ready to drag you down. Our harpoons are attached. So since you kind of referenced it, would Old Rose fit in with the Mad Max ladies? Hmm. Huh. No. No. No way. Too much luggage. Yeah, she's, she, she lives a very comfortable lifestyle from A to B. Like, at no point in her life does she experience anything less than comfort. Except when the ship sinks. Except that one night. Yeah, one, <laughs> she has one night where she has to stay in non, like, five-star accommodations, which is the top of an ocean. She had that one very big day, but otherwise her life is pure comfort. You know where Rose would fit in well? She would fit in well in the Miss Giddy position. If she was in the harem, tattooed up, telling these girls long, boring stories from history. Yeah. That's where she yeah. would fit into this movie. I agree. And then the wives would leave and Joe would stomp and he'd be like, Rose, where is she taking them? And she'd be like, it's a very long story. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be... Three hours of Joe sitting in that harem dome, like <laughs> angrily waiting for Rose to get to the point. Yeah, she wouldn't have to worry about water too much. So that's a plus. <laughs> there would be a little pile of trinkets at the bottom of the Citadel from where she walks to the edge of the harem, opens a window and just uh, drops stuff off the edge. <laughs> she drops yeah, a little cup of water. That spot where she's where he's hanging on that hook at the beginning of the movie. She just throws one necklace off of it every day. That's why it's there. <laughs> <laughs> Oops! <laughs> wow, you got the tone really like perfected there. Yeah, get the, yeah. get one more, one more. Oops! <laughs> God, I'm so mad at that scene all over again. <laughs> we spent a year of our lives talking about that dumb movie. Let's talk about a good one. Rose would not know what to do in the Citadel because there are so many cars and so many back seats. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, she would know what to do. Ew. I hope the disgust in Julia's tone really translated to the podcast. I mm. hate if that was lost somehow in translation. <laughs> I'm suddenly very, very aware that I'm on a podcast full of men. That's most podcasts. Yeah, I know. Max is hanging over the back of the tanker. Joy has got a hand on his belt to make sure he doesn't fall off the side. And he is in the process of trying to snip these chains off of the harpoons. And he is having a hell of a time at it because not only are these harpoons stuck in the back of the tanker, but he's got other people firing harpoons at him, albeit terribly because they completely missed. But as soon as he gets rid of one, another one hits the back and starts pulling him back again. So it's just a 
repeating process of snipping and having them connect on again. And thankfully, there are a limited amount of these harpoon cars. It's like being a neurologist during March Madness. Snipping, vasectomy, guys. Anyone? Nope. Okay, you can cut that. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, keep it. Oh, I don't think I could ever get rid of something that golden. I don't get the March Madness part. Yeah, I don't get the March Madness part. Oh, so during March Madness is the most popular day for men to come in and have their vasectomies. Why? Because they lost bets? No, because you need to sit for a few days with like ice on your nuts. Okay. So if you do it on like a Wednesday or Thursday, then you can just spend three or four days watching basketball. It's really hard being a man. Yeah. I'm sure it is. (laughs) I'm sure it is. I got mine done on my uh, wedding anniversary because I think it's funny. (laughs) 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 Just telling you my life. So is Max getting covered in rancid milk right now? (laughs) Oh, you know it. Yes, he is. Oh, you know it. It's not like he doesn't already stink. Yeah, the only redeeming thing about having so much mother's milk spraying out is that everybody already smells terrible. Yeah. The war boy from Monday's Minute that shot the first harpoon, he's covered in yellow. I'm pretty sure that's sulfur dust. So he already smells like hell to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. This is something about apocalypse movies and also westerns is you just kind of forget that everyone smells terrible all the time because there's no showers. Yeah. Because they bathe in mother's milk. And podcasters are carrying that torch. (laughs) (laughs) Only baby showers. As Max is snipping these chains, there is a vehicle that passes behind him, and it's this gigantic tow truck. Now, that thing is a 1978 Mac R685 tow truck. Now, listeners may recall that back in the second Mad Max movie, Road Warrior, that rig was also an R-series Mac, but that one was from 1973, and it also was rigged up to pull trailers instead of rigged up to pull individual vehicles. But what we are about to see is a showdown between the new and improved war rig and the old dumpy looking rig from the second movie. Hmm. Which is to say no showdown at all. Right. (laughs) If there was ever a question on which one was bigger and beefier, it is answered. It's the one leaking breast milk. (laughs) (laughs) If you're if you're never not sure, just that's the, that that's the winner normally. This Mack truck, the defining characteristic of it is that it has multiple harpoons that it can all fire at once. And one of these harpoons flies past Antoinette, who has popped out from behind the tanker to shoot at these guys. But it goes through the side of the rig and it punches a hole right between Toast and Cheeto. And we came dangerously close to losing another one of the wives here, and I can only imagine how uh, effects-heavy that shot would have been if one of those wives got harpooned in the face. Just gored with a harpoon. That probably wouldn't have been a step too far as far as the uh, violence in this movie is concerned. Like, it's one thing to throw people off of vehicles and have chains hit them in the face and get skewered and blown up and all that other stuff, but having someone... Slicing a woman open to retrieve a dead baby. Yeah, Yeah, that seems worse. Yeah, A1 Prime. (laughs) But having a head explode from a harpoon, that might have been a bridge too far. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. In fairness, they didn't show the baby. Like, I remember the first time I I saw this movie, I'm like, are they going to show a, like, deformed, dying baby? 
You see the legs. Yeah, you yeah. kind of do actually see the baby. Well, and the baby was perfect in every way. Yeah. yeah. It could have been way worse, is all yeah. I'm saying. Like I've said yeah. before, that baby went on to have a role in American Sniper. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a cut scene where we see the baby and Miss Giddy left out on the road. Yeah, we didn't bring it up before because there's no really good place to put it. There is a cut scene that takes place the morning after the rig gets through the bog and all of Immortan Joe's party is left behind in the sandy spot that they're in. And they leave Ang Herod's body, the body of the baby, and Miss Giddy in the middle of the desert to be consumed by Carrion. And Hmm. there's literally nowhere to put that scene. Because it just no. doesn't fit anywhere. No, no. kind of I'm puts the brakes on things. And frankly, I'm glad we didn't have to see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, agreed. Kind of a bummer. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Duff. <laughs> Can we talk about these old ladies, the roses? Depends Absolutely. on what you want to say about them. The rose well, patrol. <laughs> Let's talk about their hands. No. <laughs> I've seen this movie a few times, but until I was watching it closely, I didn't realize there was two different old ladies with white hair. I thought it was one old lady. And it brings me back to a friend of mine who's been on our show, Titanic Minute, quite a few times. And she said this to me once, and I've, it's never left my brain. It is factual in my mind. She said it. It's not my comment, but I believe it. Once yeah. you get to a certain age and you have long hair and it turns gray and white, you look like a witch. What? She said that once a woman gets a certain age and her hair gets all gray, she has to cut it short. That's why most women who are older cut their hair short, because otherwise they look like witches. Are you sure that's the reason and it's not just that it's easier to maintain a shorter haircut? Because I'm pretty sure that's the reason. (laughs) Do these women look like witches? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. But they're also with, like, they take a shower once every three months. Yeah. And we also got done talking about how attractive Megan Gale is. But She's old rope. No, she doesn't have old. She's old, old Duff. She's a young woman. Of course, it's different. She's about the same age as Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. You don't think like the sort of hygiene-related facil- facilities or lack thereof has something to do with their luck? She brought this point up to me about old Rose and Titanic. She had tons of facilities. She's like a hundred and five or something, though, and looks like a witch. Yeah, but she does. But you're saying every woman who... What, what age? What's the cutoff then? It's it's once you have long white hair. I mean, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> it's not my point. I just... I think it's not yeah, I, 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 I want, I'm, I'm waiting for Julia to weigh in on this. Because it seems like something that sucks that you're saying. But I... I think it's actually quite paradoxical. Because the definition of what a witch looks like was first of all created by men who mm. thought that old women were up to something. Well, <laughs> what are they up to? Nothing. They're not up to anything. They're just old. Rick, just mute mute Rob's mic for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> Julia, go on. I was going to say that uh, witches can assume various forms and different Goats, ages. for example. And I was going to say, as the excellent, excellent movie, The Witch Taught Us. Uh, which is not actually good, but thank no, you. No, shut, ev- shut everyone's mic off who doesn't like The Witch. <laughs> <laughs> they can assume young, old. They can 
True. Uh, the goat was Satan, by the way. It was not the a goat witch. should have had long I, white hair and it would have been the better. The goat was not a witch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree because long haired goats are cuter. But black, yeah. black Philip was a minion of Satan, but he was not a witch. <laughs> Weird how they made him black, huh, Duff? Wow. I don't recognize this movie, The Witch. Are you talking about the Vavitch? Yes. Yeah, the Vavitch. <laughs> the Vitch. <laughs> Vitch. Yeah, thank you. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. <laughs> but anyway, God. I think the point is mute because witches can form various forms. Okay. I appreciate that point, Duff. Yeah. Ever since my friend Megan told me this, what I just think witch. I just think witch now. She 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 put this in my head. Rob, do you think my wife do you think my wife is a witch, Rob? No, your oh. wife doesn't have gray white hair. That is the point I'm trying to get to. <laughs> if she did, would you think that? Yeah, Rob? yeah, what, probably. Rob, I think she was messing with you. <laughs> she's got duff under her. What spell. if she experienced a big fright and her hair turned white? Would she be a witch then? I might. <laughs> you idiot! Just, just a moron. Every time we talk, we have to deal with this. All right, I'm sorry. It was just a question I had. Is okay. Is, so they picked is, up several witches riding motorcycles and then turned around. Okay, can I tell you what I think the real reason is why many women who have gone completely gray cut yeah. their hair short? Because yes. gray hair isn't the same as regular colored hair. It's coarser. It's not mm -hmm. shaped the same. Mm. So your hair is all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but it's now different. It's harder to manage. Absolutely. You're older and you give less fucks. <laughs> So you cut it short. Especially yeah. when you're washing it in mother's milk. <laughs> Rob, do you think Emmy Lou Harris is a witch? I was trying to think of like a older woman with long gray hair. There are not many you could think of, can you? Well, is, is Emmy Lou Harris a witch? I just, I, I haven't seen her. Answer since... the question. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. She's a witch. I don't know. Does she float? Mm -hmm. Does she weigh the same as a duck? <laughs> <laughs> I think she would sink like a boulder to Birmingham in the water. <laughs> I just want to say that uh, if Antoinette is a witch, the spell that she is casting in this minute is what's the uh, the death one from the the, the Vada Kedavra? Yes, she's casting that on the war boy because she shoots him square in the neck. Yeah, yeah witches be powerful. That yeah. is pretty cool. I'm not besmirching the witches in this <laughs> in this movie. I just thought there was only one witch, not two. No, no. Rob, I just want to make it, make sure you're clear on this. There are yeah. zero witches or wizards in this series. <laughs> I want to lay that out there so that way everyone is perfectly clear. Yep. As much as we joke, there are no witches and wizards. In That's this for them movie. to decide. Are you guys ready for my theory now that I teased yesterday? <laughs> yes, go ahead. All right, so rewatching this film uh, yesterday, it was very clear to me that this movie is about white reply guys on the internet. <laughs> and that, like, the war boys are made to look so pale because they want to make it very clear that this is about, like, guys on Reddit and 4chan, like, <laughs> constantly, like, dipping, like, they even have them, like, literally dip, I know the listeners can't see the video here, dipping in on these giant poles into conversations that these women are having. And that basically, like, all these war boys, like, hovering around this female space. Sliding about into men, About men, like, <laughs> dipping in and just being like, well, actually, that sort of, like, they're, they're constantly dipping in on these, on these spaces and start trying to drown out female voices. That's the way that I, I, I saw this movie. I don't know that that, that was intentional, but that's kind of, like, what I was thinking about while I was watching it. 
it's about women having their spaces invaded on by men. Yeah, that's that, I mean, then, so that's why I'm I'm prefacing it by describing the War Boys because it's it's funny to me how they're made like their makeup is like making them look as white as possible. It just sort of made me laugh. Mm. I definitely see your point of view, but I think you're taking a movie that is about women and looking at it from how it's about men, about women. Well, I guess I disagree. I'm, I'm trying to think like I, I think it's about how women experience like online culture. I don't think it's just online. This movie is about how women experience rape. Okay. And I think saying anything less than that is playing down that this movie is about women being raped. Okay. Not that it can't be about other things, because believe me, we've made this movie about everything under the sun. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, this movie is about women being raped and women looking for freedom, not how men relate to women who have been raped and looking for freedom. Okay. I guess what what I'm saying is like the sort of the visuals of like them driving on that truck and these men, especially in this minute that we're talking about where the pole guys kind of appear, right? Like them, like, like dipping in and then being pushed away reminded me of that is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I definitely think that, especially in the scene where we've got the pole cats and they're taking whatever method they can to get on the truck. Yeah. Is definitely, <laughs> I'm going to get not nice and I apologize. <laughs> I think it represents men who take a movie that's about women being raped and make it about how men relate to women being raped. I think it's just they are taking any entry point they possibly can into making it about them. And I think we're agreeing with each other, Joe. We are. I guess what I should say is it's about what I mean is about how women have men invade their online discourse. Would that be a better way to phrase it? Because it's a women first kind of language. Yes, because when you define something that's about women by starting with the word the man or the war boys or whatever, you're making it about them instead of the women. Can I ask a question seriously? Sure, Rob. What about calling a movie Mad Max? You know what I mean? Like the, the name of the movie is titled after a man. Does that does that diminish anything? No, and we've kind of talked about that in the past. Okay. And there's been a lot of debate about, well, it's really kind of Furiosa's movie, and it's really about her. Absolutely. But we're seeing it from Max's point of view. We are on the journey with Max and how he is meeting, you know, Furiosa and these women. Because let's be honest, Mad Ma Max is like the most boring part of this movie. Absolutely boring. Furiosa is a way more interesting character than... Than Max. And that's why when this movie came out, I remember that it was kind of a warm up for The Last Jedi and that men got mad online and then it just kind of filtered away and then they came back for Last Jedi. And then well, there's Ghostbusters, I think, might have been in between. Yeah, that was in there, too. Yeah. This movie would have worked without Max. He doesn't need to be there. Max is not needed in this movie in any way. Yeah. Outside of an entry point. Like the only reason for Mad Max is that it got george miller a bunch of money to make this movie like that's the only reason that he was necessary having said that i'd have to agree that of the four mad max movies this is the one where you could actually just take max out of it and there are instances there are definitely scenes in this movie where max is a real contributing member of the situation he is an element that makes the plan come together and work because he's just another 
person who can take the wheel, who can shoot, who can do all of these different things. He's an extra handy person. But if Max wasn't there, Furiosa probably could have been able to do everything. It just would have been a lot harder for her to take this untrained group of people (laughs) and whip them into shape on the job. I mean, really, the only thing that Max contributes is he kind of tells them, look, there's nothing in that direction. Let's just go back. That's like the really only kind of proactive thing he does. Right. I I think think so. so. I think. Yeah, I think his biggest contribution is his experience, which I think makes him very useful because we've been with him for three previous movies. We know what he's been through emotionally, and we know that. The types of things that he has had to deal with and that have driven him mad, he can help these women by teaching them about hope and teaching them to not react the way he has reacted by going it alone and isolating himself. Don't do that. Go back. Do something proactive to make things better instead of just driving out into the desert. Because that's what he did. It didn't really turn out that great for him. Mm -hmm. He spent his entire life running away from his problems, going further and further afield from the point where he emotionally broke. Max took the death of his wife and son and he went out into the wasteland and he never looked back. And he spent two movies slowly learning to work with people again. And then when he's standing there on the edge of the precipice of the dune, watching them running away from the system, that's one of the reasons why he's like, if you don't fix what's broken, you go mad. And so he's like, hey, instead of running away from our problems, let's go back to where those problems started and make something good at them. I could almost see Max going back to May Swayze's farm to that spot of road and trying to fix himself after this movie, because that's exactly what he taught Furiosa and the other women. Like, hey, you need to go home and fix yourself. And then he's probably thinking as he's walking away. And I know this is not the minute we're talking about. This is later in the movie. But he's probably going through the crowd of wretched thinking, I need to go home and fix myself. Sure. I think that's a very interesting take. I think that'd be an interesting movie. But at the same time, I think that he's the cowboy archetype. He's Ethan and the Searchers, where no matter how much he tries, he can't fit in. And like, and we, uh, that's the ending we have is that he, you know, the, the women have been brought back, have come back to, you know, re-civilize stuff and they're going to assume, assumedly have a society, but Max doesn't fit in anymore. He's a loner and it's, uh, it's the classic cowboy walking off into the sunset shot. It's my take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the brave move, I think, would be having Max die in this movie, actually, because he's not Ooh. needed. Oh, I forward. like that. Passing the torch to Furiosa. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't like. I don't care about Max moving forward. Yeah, we've watched Max sort of move forward and then not, and fail, and have yeah. opportunities, and do good for other people, and then not take any more steps forward. We've seen him try and fail several times, so we don't really want to keep watching that same thing. Something has to change. So I really like the idea of him not surviving this movie and people are clamoring for more Furiosa. So yeah, pass that torch. Now we've been talking about the movie as a whole for a mm-hmm. while and I want to try and swing us back around into the minute. Like a pole cat. Like a pole wow. cat. <laughs> because the main thrust of this minute is that the harpoons and the plows As much as they're designed to hold the war rig back, they are no match for the ingenuity and adaptability of the people on the war rig. 
Max is climbing around like a spider monkey on the back of the tanker, snipping these chains. And these chains are under such high tension that when he snips them, they fly back, break through the windshield of the car that it's attached to, and it totally hamburger faces the driver, (laughs) which is just so appetizing to think of. You know how pole dancing has become a way to exercise? Like there's no, exercise Rob, classes. tell us about how it's, you're it's, even using pole dancing to exercise. No, I have not, but it's a thing. I'm not making that up. It's That's empowering. Yeah. Do you think these pole cats, there'll be like some sort of like pole cat exercise that people will sign up for where you get to swing around on a big stick like this? Oh, I would definitely do that. It I would like too. a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, it's a circus act. It's something you can train at. I was going to say, this is some Cirque du Soleil stuff. Yeah, exactly. Sure. It's crazy. That's the exact reason that they are in this movie to begin with. George Miller saw this as an act and he said, ooh, I bet we could put that on a car (laughs) and make it work. And that's exactly (laughs) what they did. They just specially modified some vehicles, gave them extra wide wheelbases, and they put these gigantic poles with huge counterweights at the end and they whipped these performers around. That's why most of them are wearing full face helmets is because they're not actors they're literally just circus performers so george miller was in vegas and saw the beatles one show yes. <laughs> love 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 beatles love beatles love and the next day he calls up his effects guys like hey i saw this great show and for that and then that guy's life was a living hell all just because george miller went to some show in vegas <laughs> think of the war party like in in universe all the different ways they've came up with how to board onto like another moving vehicle there must be some amazing ways that didn't work <laughs> like i don't know what they are catapult but like, yeah, i don't know there's gotta yeah, be all I'd sorts really of ways like to see that <laughs> why don't we try this that, that didn't work that, that war boy's gone i think <laughs> the main thing that i can think of as we're starting to see these polecats come in and i love the way that they're introduced because all of the harpoons and plows they crash into each other they're rolling over the The Mack truck goes out so spectacularly. The driver, as I mentioned, he gets shot in the neck. The whole thing starts to roll. Rob got us off on a tangent about witches and that devolved into who knows what. (laughs) And the tow truck, when it rolls over, it ignites its thunder sticks. It starts blowing up all spectacularly. There's one dude that has his face ripped off. Plows and harpoons, not as great of a plan as I psyched them up to be on Monday. It happens. I'm sorry. But... As we get the shot of the war rig speeding along, just the way that the polecats come in around from either side of the shot to fill our view and how imposing they are because we're up at that higher angle. We're at their perspective looking down on the war rig. And I love it how they are introduced is pretty awesome. Yeah, it definitely feels very like in a video game when the enemies are coming in waves and you defeat one wave and there's like a change in like the air, like the music. Yeah. And then the next wave comes. It feels just like that. Is This is the first time the polecats are swinging around, right? This yeah. is the first time that we've actually seen them in a combat situation. Like we yeah. saw them driving up initially. We saw them in amongst the war party. But this is the first time they're actually doing their thing more so than just sitting up on the pole acting like a lookout. Is a polecat another word for a skunk? My dad used to tell me that. Is that a thing or is that just some weird thing my dad told me? No, I'm pretty sure I recognize polecat as another word for skunk. Okay. That tracks. It kind of sounds familiar. My dad told me a lot of things over the years. Not all of them (laughs) checked out later on in life. (laughs) 
I keep thinking of the song Love Cats by The Cure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, that joke disintegrated. <laughs> so a polecat is a common name for several different mammals. Okay. Including a skunk. Okay. In the south? It doesn't really say. Okay. Like if it's common to a part of the country. Although it does sound right to think of a southern drawl saying the word polecat. Yep, that's what my dad would say about skunks. So you just see a polecat In Europe, out it there. refers to ferrets. Ooh, because oh. they're kind of pole-shaped. They're kind of long and skinny. Ferrets are bad. I don't care for them. My <laughs> friend growing up, they had two ferrets as pets, and they were named Smokey and the Bandit. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and these polecats, they come to party because one of the first polecats that we see opening an attack on the tanker. He's got this thunder stick and he throws it down and Max is able to avoid the bulk of the explosion, but he's thrown off of the rear fortification and he lands on the deck of the tanker and they do this crazy effect where everything around him goes blurry and it's just focused in on him and everything. They drop out the high frequency stuff. It's all low. It's pretty much the tinnitus ringing that we heard earlier with the gunshots just ramped up. Tinnitus. Tinnitus? So I have it, and my ear doctor calls it tinnitus. I always said tinnitus, but she always calls it tinnitus. Wow. Yeah. I've heard people say tinnitus. I would get yeah. a new doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I still have the ringing, so she didn't fix that. Well, there you go. <laughs> is that in camera, or is that afterwards, that effect? I don't know the answer to that question. You mean, is it practic- a practical effect, or is it... Yeah, is that just like a lens they're using, or is that done afterwards in post? It looks to me like it would be done in post. Yeah, that's my guess. Because the camera that they're using was probably a steady cam, so you're probably not going to have a lot of manual adjusting on the day of shooting. It also comes at the end of explosion and jumping and falling. Yeah, okay. So if you could at all do it in post, it would be preferable than yeah. trying to add another element into this kind of filming. Sure. My guess is post. But that shot there where Max is knocked down and everything's really discombobulated for him, that's how we wrap today's minute. So we're going to put a pin in this. We're going to step back, come back on Friday when Max and Joy will fight off the polecats on the tanker. Furiosa is going to regret leaving the moonroof open. And the Keeper of the Seeds will meet the business end of a hedge trimmer. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 95 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time. <laughs>